How many of you uh, love to sleep? Wow. I'm like, hardly any of you watched the Orioles game last night because you're all sleeping probably. I love to sleep myself. In fact, I would say I am a pretty good expert at sleeping. I think if you could have a professional sleeper, I would be the guy. I'd be like on the professional circuit of sleeping. I, I don't know about you, but I love to sleep. I think there is nothing better in the world than going home after Sunday morning church, going get like a nice big lunch, then go home, put the golf on TV, and then just fall to sleep. I mean, there is just nothing better in the world. I love to play golf. I love to watch golf. But there is something about golf that just sends me straight to sleep. And uh, I just love to do it. In fact, if there was my, one of my favorite pastimes, it would be to take a nap. I, I, I am someone, I could sleep anywhere and everywhere. If I had to stay a night in an airport because I, I missed my flight, I could just lay out on the floor and fall to sleep. You know what? I even think I could like, lay on this, this dirty, nasty like, cinema f- floor, and I think I could fall to sleep. A few years ago, we were around a friend's house, and they had this, uh, uh, they, they, they got a real nice home, and uh, they decorated it really nice, and, and the wife had brought this chair, and it was just basically a chair for decoration. And we had had Sunday lunch, and we were sitting down one Sunday afternoon, and uh, everybody would sit down, and this was the only chair that was left. Now, nobody wanted to even sit in the chair, let alone try to sleep in the chair, because it was the most uncomfortable chair you could ever find in the world. But yet, five minutes later, and they were on the couch, they were all trying to sleep or watch TV. I am there snoring my head off in the most uncomfortable chair you can imagine. Why? Because I love to sleep. Love it. Actually, I think heaven to me would be this. Like at night, taking like a hot shower and then crawling into a bed with nicely made sheets and just going to sleep. That would be like heaven to me. However, I think some of us love sleep too much. And you probably got the idea, Alex, I think you like sleep a little too much. The reality is that our body needs to sleep. Our body needs to get rejuvenated so that when we are awake, we can fully function. Yet, that's our physical bodies. But every one of us, we have a physical body and we have a spiritual body or a spiritual life. And while our physical body needs sleep, our spiritual life or our spiritual body, there is no time for sleep. And you know, as I look upon our community, as I look upon our country and our nation, I've suddenly come to the conclusion that it is morning time It is not night time, it's morning time, and it is time to get up and awake from our sleep. So for the last two months, we've been discussing what we must do to awaken from our spiritual sleep. You know, we've been pretty transparent with each other. We've uh, we've talked about how we must humble ourselves before the living God. We've talked about how we must pray for each other, like our life depends on it. We've talked about how our life goal must be just to to dwell in the presence of God. We've also talked about how some of us, we may have gone off track in our life and our walk unto God and how we must come back onto that walk and onto uh, um, onto that path onto God because we've gone out of alignment. But some of you, even after speaking about this for two months, some of you may be thinking, why? Why should I awake 
from my sleep. Each morning, my alarm goes off, and I am a snooze king. And I ask myself every morning, why am I going to get up? Why am I going to get up? And then I realize, oh yeah, I've got to make some money. I've got to like, be able to afford the bed that I'm sleeping in. But some of you may be asking, why should we awake? Some of you may be thinking, what is in it for me if I awake, if I do these things, if I humble myself before God, if I pray for others, if I, if I live my life like seeking after God, if I, if I repent and come back to God, what is in it for me? You may say, well, I'm a good Christian. I go to church. I'm a good person. I have good morals. I serve God. I volunteer. You may even say, I even read my Bible. Some of you say, I get involved. Others say, I do many things. So you say, why? Why should I awake? I could go, you say, I could go down the church, a church to a church down the road and, and, and they won't tell me to awake. Why are you telling me that we need to awake from our spiritual sleep? Well, this is why. If you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. It says there, starting at verse 1, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything that you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, as a pleasing aroma unto God. Then he says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among the people of God. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, they are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will ever inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. And he says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light of the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about these things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. And then he says this. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Christ will give you light. The reason we, we must awake, and the, re, the whole reason why we've done this, this series, and we've, we've gone on for quite a while. I normally like to do like four or five part series, and this has been much longer. And the whole reason is, is because when we are asleep, we are in darkness. When we are asleep, we are in darkness. When you are physically asleep, you are not seeing what's going on around. It's like dark. When we are spiritually asleep, 
we are in darkness. And when we are sleeping, we can't see the things that are going on around us. And if you are spiritually sleeping in your life, you cannot see if there is any damage being done to your life, your spiritual life. When we sleep, we can't see a world around us that in all honesty is on a collision course with an eternity in a place called hell. And when we sleep, we can't see that sometimes even in our own church, even amongst our own friends, our own family, there are people who are on a collision course with an eternity totally separated from God in a place called hell. In our sleep, we can't see the things that are going on. And so the Bible says here in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Awake, O sleeper, awake, awake from that spiritual sleep, so that you will then be able to see the light and receive the light. Because I don't know about you, but when you see the light, you see all the things that are wrong. You see the things that are going on. I gave an example a few weeks ago of my brother-in-law. They got two little dogs, like one's a Shih Tzu, one's a Bishan. I'm like, they're just these little rats. And, uh, and, and, and he one, one day decided to get a black light. And he went into the house, switched all the lights off, and had this black light on. And suddenly, he saw, they saw, and excuse me for being a little crude, but he saw where they had peed and pooped everywhere, that they never cleaned it up. Because the light exposes that stuff. And in our lives, when we have the light of Christ, we start to see these things in our lives and in the lives of other people. When we awake, we see the light. But the problem is, when you've been asleep, you don't want the light. I don't know about you, but in the morning when I wake up, and this morning was a great example, I did not want to open my eyes because I did not want to see the light because it hurts your eyes. And when God starts to awaken people from a spiritual sleep, sometimes it's really hard because we do not want to see the light. But when we start to adjust our eyes, we start to see the things for how they really are. And you know, over the last few months, I feel that God has awakened me to things much more than what I was seeing. You see, I was seeing things, and it wasn't saying that I was wrong, or do anything wrong, but I was starting to see things through the eyes of Alex Pendock, through the lens of Alex Pendock. But yet, I felt like God has just awakened me to something more. And now, instead of seeing the eyes through uh, the uh, world through the lens of Alex Pendock, I'm feeling that I'm just starting to see the world through the lens of the light of Christ. And when you see the world through the lens of the light of Christ, you start to see a world that is in darkness and a world that needs God. You start to see a nation and a community that is, in all honesty, is on life support. How many of you have ever seen that um, documentary um, called uh, Super Size Me? Maybe a few of you. There was a documentary a few years ago of a guy. He basically lived a month off McDonald's. And whenever they said, do you want it supersized, he said, yes, please. And it was a a real intriguing uh, documentary. If you love McDonald's, don't watch the documentary. Basically, after about 20 days, his organs started to shut down. His kidneys and his liver started to shut down because he'd just been eating this diet of fast food all the time. 
he'd had no nutrients with us. That's why in McDonald's now, if you ask for, if they'll never say to you, do you want it supersized because of that documentary. That's why they started serving like salads and fruit and things like that instead of just greasy burgers and, and fries. But this guy, his body started shutting down because he'd eaten all this fast food. And you know, one thing I've been seeing just lately, I've just been seeing that just our nation, our community is on this diet of spiritual fast food. You know, I've looked at a lot of different people. I I admire a lot of different people. But the reality is, a lot of churches, a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers, and I think at one point I was one of those people. They just wanted to tell everybody everything was great and that God's going to bless you. And if you follow these things, you'll have a nice, happy family. And your kids will respect you. If you do these things, then then God's going to bless you and you'll be a millionaire and you'll be flying your own airplane around the, the world because God's a God of love. But the reality is that is a diet of spiritual fast food. And some of us, we don't like our greens. We don't like broccoli or cabbage or, or cauliflower or the things that are good for us. But the reality is without those things, then our lives cannot be healthy. And in our churches, without the message of the full gospel of Jesus Christ, then we're going to be unhealthy. And the Bible says here, it says, awake and see the light. Awake and see the light. So you may ask, what happens then if we awake? What happens if we do what you say that we ought to do? Well, if, you've got, if you want to turn to 2, Corinthians, oh, sorry, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. We've been going through this scripture for weeks. But this is what it says. It says, Then if my people who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves... If they will pray, they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then it says this, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. What will happen if we awake? What happens if we humble ourselves? What happens if we pray for others like our life depends on it? What happens if we live our life or make our life goal seek in the presence of God? What happens if we turn onto God in repentance? Well, there's three things that God says that will happen. First thing is that he will start to hear us again. Second thing, he'll forgive our sins. Third thing, he will restore our land. I want to focus this morning on God hearing us. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer that God has not answered? Wait, you want to raise your hand? I've prayed plenty of them. How many of you think that you've prayed a prayer that God has never heard? Maybe not many of you. But you know what? One thing I've discovered through reading the Word of God is that God does not hear every prayer. God does not hear every prayer. And I want you to ask yourself a question today. Is God hearing your prayer or your prayers? Is God hearing your prayer or prayers? The Bible says here, God told Solomon, he said, Solomon, your land's in in destruction. And I sent this destruction on your land. He said, and if you humble yourself, if you pray, if you seek my face, and if you repent of your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. What that tells us is that firstly, God was not hearing them. God was not hearing these people. And I ask you today, is God hearing you? 
Is God hearing you? You know, many complain or they even lose their faith because God doesn't answer their prayers. They see other people getting answers to prayers. But maybe the problem is that God isn't answering your prayer because God can't hear your prayer. Some people have a hard time theologically with this. They say, well, God, of course God hears our prayers. But maybe God isn't hearing your prayer. Let's see what the Bible has to say about the prayers that God hears. The prayers that God hears. The first prayer that God hears is the person who does not have hidden sins in their heart. God hears the prayers of the person who does not have hidden sins in their heart. Psalm 66 and verse 18 says this. Actually, I'm going to start reading verse 17. It says, For I cried out to him for help. I prayed unto God for help, praising him as I spoke. Then verse 18 of Psalm 66. Listen to this. It says, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. The psalmist here is implying that if there was sin in his heart that was unconfessed, then God would not hear him. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up going to Sunday school and we didn't hear stuff like that. We heard like praying, God will hear, pray. We, we heard scriptures like ask and it will be given unto you. Ask in the name of the Lord and it will be given unto you. But yet the Bible here is saying, if there is unconfessed sin, God will not hear. And then in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1, it said, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. It is your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he, meaning God, has turned away and will listen no more. Because of your sins, God has turned away and listened no more. I tell you what, if you have unconfessed sin in your heart, then the chances are God may be not listening to your prayers. God told Solomon, he says, If my people who call by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And I don't know well, if you have unconfessed sin in your life. But if you do, then it's time to confess those sins unto God so that God can hear your prayers. You know, I've discovered that the sin of the heart is so much more destructive than the sins of the hands. For we see the sins of our hands. We see that they're wrong. And we repent unto them. But yeah, when we have sin in our hearts, when our heart is full of sin, it starts to put a barrier between you and God. You know, we discussed last week about King David. And there's something about King David I'll never understand. I mean, this guy was dirty. He was like, he was like a womanizer. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He, he lied. He cheated. But yet God said he was a man after his own heart. And I've always struggled with that. Like, how can God call someone who has failed so much a man after my own heart? And then I started to realize it's because all of David's sins were sins of the hands. But yet, his heart was pure before God. 
because he didn't keep unconfessed sin in his heart. And I don't know about you today, but if you have unconfessed sin in your heart, maybe nobody knows about it. It's time to confess it to the Lord of Lords. Because when you confess it, then it opens the windows of heaven so that God can hear your prayers. God hears the prayers of the person who confesses their sins. God also hears the prayers of those who decide to repair relationships. He hears the prayers of those who decide to repair relationships. Look at this. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23. Matthew 5 verse 23. It said, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple unto God, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. The Bible says, leave your sacrifice there. I'm going to twist it a little bit. Leave your prayer there. Then it says, go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And I say the same in prayer. Leave your prayer right there. If you've got something against someone else, then go and be reconciled to that person. And then God will hear your prayer. You know, some of the hardest things I've done over the last few years is to repair relationships that have been broken. And I think I'm a pretty nice guy, you know. I like like people. But I've had some relationships in my life that have just gone like south. And they've gone into a hole, and it's like a bottomless hole. And those relationships have been destroyed. And I realized that if I wanted to be a pastor of a church, then I need to lead by example. If I wanted to be a believer of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ, then I needed to lead by example. And I realized the major thing that was stopping me in my life was unrepaired relationships. And some of you, I don't know who your relationships may be with. It may be with a spouse. It may be with a child. It may be with a parent. It may be with a former employer or employee. It may be a friend, a former friend. If you have unresolved relationships, the Bible says, go and repair those relationships. Go and repair those relationships. Actually, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12, Jesus gave his disciples a way that they should pray. They said, God teach us, Jesus teach us how to pray. And we all know the prayers like, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, in in Matthew 6 and verse 12, there's something in there. It says, God, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. There is something about God that is... That, and our relationship, that there is a condition. And that is that your relationship with God will be affected if you have other relationships with other people that are broken down. I believe that God is a God of reconciliation. And what I mean by that is that when there is something that is broken, God loves to bring it back together and repair it. And your relationship with God was once broken. 
just because of the sin in our lives. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I've sinned, you've sinned. And that sin, no matter how big or small, separated us from God. And the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a sinless life, died a terrible death on a cross for one reason, and that was to repair the relationship between you and God. But he also says, now I've repaired that relationship. I want you to repair the relationship with other people. Maybe God's speaking to your heart right now about somebody who maybe just did dirty on you. They were like downright terrible to you. It's time to go repair those relationships. God will not hear the prayers of those who've got hidden sins in their hearts. God will not hear the prayers of those who have got unforgiveness in their hearts towards others. And then finally, God will not forgive, or God will not hear the prayers of those who pray with wrong motives. Who pray with, with wrong motives. James chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, And even when you ask, or even when you pray, you don't get it. Or you don't get what you pray for. Because your motives are all wrong. You want only what you will get. You are, you want only what will give you pleasure. You only want, want you only want what will give you pleasure. When you pray unto God, are your motives right? And the way you can tell if your motives right is this: Do my prayers give glory to me, or do they give glory to God? Are my prayers giving glory to me or are they giving glory to God? If they're giving glory to you, then they're prayers of wrong motives. And God will not hear those prayers. But if they are prayers that will give glory to God, then God will hear those prayers. Glory to me or glory to God? You know, in the same Lord's Prayer that we just read in Matthew chapter 6, There's a verse in there that says, Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is your prayer one to let the will of God be done in your life, or is your prayer to let your will be done in your life? One God hears, one God doesn't hear. You know, the sleeper, Praise prayers that God does not hear. Because so often the sleeper has unconfessed sin in their heart. So often the sleeper has relationships that have been torn down and need to be repaired. So often the sleeper prays prayers over their own motives. And I'll be honest, I spent years of my life praying these prayers. And I believed in God. And I, and I, and I was a believer. And I, I was a Christian. And I'd been baptized. And, 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 and I was even on staff at churches being a pastor. And I realized I came to the point I'd been sleeping in my life. And the prayers that I'd been praying, God was not even hearing. Because I had these things in my life. God hears the prayers of the humble. God hears the prayers of those who will pray for others like their life depends on it. 
God hears the prayers of the seeker. The one who just wants to seek after him. God hears the prayers of the repentant. And so this is why we must awake. So that we can see the light of Christ. And God can start to hear our prayers. For in the light you start to see that it is only through prayer. That your family will find God. In the light, you will start to see it is only through prayer that your neighborhood or your friends and your community or your nation or your workplace will only find hope. And it is only when you get on your knees before God and start to pray unto the Lord that they will find that hope. Why? Because they are sleeping. And unless we awake, they will continue to sleep. The sleeper prays prayers that God cannot hear. While the awakened... The one who awakes prays prayers that God hears, God answers, and then when God answers, God acts upon those prayers. Why? Because they see the reality of their sin. They see who they are, and they see who God is, and their incredible need for God. And I ask you today, will you awake so that God can hear your prayer? Ephesians 5, verse 14. Awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Let's pray.